Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. It may seem like it's the end of our Karate Kid series. And I suppose in a way it is. But also Janine, it isn't. There's more to come. It's so exciting. Very exciting. Why is it so exciting? Because Morgan also hasn't seen the Cobra Kai series. So I thought it would be fun that after we watched all the Karate Kid films, we would cover the series on our YouTube channel at It's a Wonderful Podcast on YouTube.com. Yes, exactly. So that's what we're doing as well. There will be a new Morgan Hasn't Seen regular series uh, starting next week on the on, on you know on the podcast feed here right here where you are now but also there's going to be these little fun discussions on cobra kai for the next few weeks as well yes yes Super exciting exciting. <laughs> exciting things much more exciting some would say than this movie which we're talking <laughs> about today which is the next karate kid or yes. karate kid part 4 that would be an incorrect answer if you were to uh, if you know if the question was to be asked in a particular movie trivia competition program yes it would be deemed incorrect i'm sure you you would have to call it the next karate kid it's from 1994 there ain't no ralph macchio but pat morita's still in it miyagi's still there being miyagi it isn't in L.A. It isn't even like part two was in Japan and the whole nice backstory of Miyagi. This is just as though it's starting a completely new thing. Yeah, and I don't know if they assumed this was going to kick off something else, but yeah. It didn't. It, did not. <laughs> it didn't. And I think for pretty good reasons. Mainly, mainly really, it's that this... This movie, The Next Karate Kid, fe- feels like all of the heartwarming emotion that, even to its credit, was in part three. It has been zapped out of this one, where this is kind of the just trying to... the the redoing the first movie, but really there's no need for it to exactly be karate i it's a strange confusing movie that's how i found it like <laughs> i enjoyed miyagi obviously yeah and to a point i enjoyed hillary swank i don't think this is hillary swank's fault in any way i don't even think this is julie her character's fault i just there's something about the movie that's a little bit not heartless, but devoid of heart. You know what I mean? Yes, and they do try to inject those moments, but they don't really play the same. They don't. And I, maybe, I mean, I, I suppose it would be a little bit unfair to call it a tired format, because, my God, this format has been used time and time again to great effect. But this, it's a, it's a matter of, regurgitating the format within the Karate Kid format. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> and not really succeeding. 
Yeah, unfortunately, really quite unfortunately, because, yeah, sure, I'd have liked to see three movies with Hilary Swank and Miyagi as well. Um, you know, that that's fine. And I'm led to believe, Janine, that Hilary Swank has not appeared in Cobra Kai. She has not. So we don't know if it's like fully wanting to remember this movie yet. Yeah. Like it remembers the first three. Yes, because I mean, Daniel is mentioned. It is Miyagi, so it's the same universe. So she it is could, the same universe. Totally the same universe. She could potentially appear in the show if they wanted to rehash things from this movie and and make sure it was a legit canon situation. But they haven't yet. So yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. But I do know we have a few things to do before we get into the meat of the episode today, Janine, don't we? One of which is a nice voice message that we unfortunately failed to play on the last episode, didn't we? I think this voice message is talking about part three. Yes. If I'm right, talking about the Karate Kid part three. Who do we have, Janine? So we have a voice message from our good friend Eric Monroe talking Karate Kid 3. So sorry we missed this last week, Eric, but we're playing it here for you today. Hi, Morgan and Janine. So I just wanted to give you some thoughts on the Karate Kid Part 3. Now, I got to be perfectly honest. I do not like this sequel at all. I thought Part 2 was fine, but this sequel to me sucked. I mean, you would you would think by watching the sequel that Daniel learn nothing he just gets beat up the entire movie and even in the final match he gets his butt kicked it just has that you know that one little move at the end it, it just didn't work for me the one aspect i did like i did think terry silver was a great villain and i think daniel kind of you know becoming a cobra kai briefly was an interesting aspect but overall double thumbs down for me that's a scathing review. <laughs> yes. So Eric, definitely not a fan and one to never shy away from some real honest but thoughtful opinions. So we always love hearing from you, Eric. Thank you so much. We certainly um, do. We certainly do. I love Eric. Yeah. I love Eric. But I think we did kind of agree with a lot of that, that it felt like, you know, all the wisdom and the character that they've built up with Daniel in those first two films was kind of stripped away. He was very kind of pushy and stubborn and unwilling to listen and thinking he knew best and all of these kinds of things that just kind of stripped away this like noble even hero that we saw in the second movie you know going risking his life to save this girl and um you know being a support to Miyagi and kind of taking the back seat to support his friend um and trying to learn from this culture and all these things um so yeah, all of that kind of seemed just stripped away in this third movie. So definitely agree with, you know, him feeling like this wasn't the same Daniel that we got to know in these first two movies. Um, and yeah, I think Terry Silver was a ridiculous villain. He actually enjoyed him. Um, I mean, he did come in with a plan of action as he did. a villain. <clears throat> which is... He did. Look, we talked about this in the last we did talk about this in last episode um i will i will agree with eric the fact that daniel becoming a cobra kai for a hot minute 
was an interesting idea. Point, yeah. 100%. Absolutely, that was an interesting idea. But oh my god, I really did not like Terry Silver. He was just very over-the-top cartoonish. And, uh, you know, I think we're still technically in the 80s with this one, so it works um, in that aesthetic kind of alone. <laughs> and the fact that it's just it 80s over-the-top villain and thinking, like, if you have someone who's kind of cartoonish like this that's you upping the ante of your villain, right? Um, so I get where that what they were going with. And even, I think, we'll get into that. It does kind of make for some fun, bad watching with Terry Silver. So at least you can kind of look at it from that point of view, where it just kind of makes it more fun and silly to watch when you have this kind of ridiculous, over-the-top villain. There are definitely some over-the-top cartoonish hammy villains almost that i actually really do like though and that seem to fit their movie and that's not to say that terry silver didn't fit his movie i feel like he did there was just something intensely annoying about him <laughs> yeah it was too much it was it was it was overkill <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know but thank you certainly eric yes. for your delightful voice message we always do love 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 hearing from you it's as easy as anything to leave us a voice message about anything we talk about if you would like to just go on to anchor and there's a little button on anchor uh, on our it's a wonderful podcast page on anchor.fm if you're on the desktop or at yeah, the anchor app um, there's a little button to send us a voice message it's very quick very easy and yeah we, we'd love to hear what you have to say about anything to be honest yeah it's definitely it's definitely always nice when we get to hear from Eric because he is, like you said, he's absolutely honest all the damn time. But you know what? He he never does, Janine. What's that? He never puts other people down for liking or disliking something that he likes or dislikes. You know, exactly. that's the opposite. Never. That's the best way to talk about film and have an opinion about something like this is you share your thoughts, but you don't kind of hate on other people's thoughts. So he he's, never he's does the that. best at that. Yeah, we love you, Eric. We do. We certainly do. There is something else we do have to do, though, Janine, of course, isn't there? Yes, we have to say thank you to the It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. It's Patreon shout-out day. Yay. One of the perks you get for being a It's a Wonderful Podcast patron. We shout you out on an episode of one of the shows. So here we are today to say thank you to our wonderful patrons. We certainly are. If you would like to become a patron of It's a Wonderful Podcast, just go on to Patreon and type in It's a Wonderful Podcast or patreon.com slash It's a Wonderful One. You'll find us there. Whole bunch of fun stuff, including these shout-outs for absolutely everybody, but bonus episodes, live streams, exclusive live streams, videos, little bonus, uh, little bonus videos like that, artwork from Janine every month, as well as the opportunity to choose episodes and you get artwork sent to you, and you get insight, and there's a whole bunch of stuff, and more things to come on yes. the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon. But let's go ahead and say a big thank you to Maxwell Haddad. And thank you to Amber Coates. Thank you to Matthew Price. Thank you, Abigail Friel. Thank you, Faraz Muthana. Thank you, 90s Comics Box, a.k.a. my brother, Justin. Thank you to Video Drew. Thank you, Adelaide. Thank you, Corey Morissette. 
Thank you, Christina Farrow. Thank you to Heather Sabian. Thank you, Megan McCurley, a.k.a. Dr. Megs. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Finobi Steve. Thank you, Jake Yakaveta. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fees. Thank you to Dwayne Burke. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you to Delisha Renee, Delisha Butler. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to our good friends, Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. Thank you to Eric Garcia. And thank you, Billy Pollahan. Yay, patrons. The patrons are great. They're much better than this movie. Yes. <laughs> I was singing. I was singing because you I've were. got to find some way of the movie being entertained. That's too harsh. That's too harsh. The movie is fairly entertaining because it still has Pat Morita as Miyagi in it. Yes, well I will say for me this was my introduction to this series and I think it's the one I've probably seen the most just because of you know when it came out um, Yeah, 94 Yeah, so I was about 10 and like I knew of the series I knew kind of the themes of it because people would talk about the wax on wax off and like you know so I, I had a sense of the pop culture-ness of the series in itself but the first movie I just happened to see on TV was this one that's um, weird Janine that's weird <laughs> it was a different time Morgan. it is it is weird though <laughs> it's like I'm just trying to think if there's a franchise that I saw weirdly out of order but obviously it's the mcu but i'm just thinking of something else <laughs> um well yeah just kind of the way things work like if i was going to see these movies it would be if they just happened to be on tv which i never saw them to be or i would have to go rent them or something like that or have my parents rent them this just happened to be on tv and so i watched it um and i really loved mr miyagi i loved that character um and i just liked that it was a girl and getting to see her kind of do you know cool stuff so that was kind of what drew me to this movie in the first place so you know yeah. kind of just watch it not just because not because it was like a favorite of mine it was just i would watch it because it was on and it was familiar and it was a girl getting to do cool stuff so you know give it, and give it you know give it credit for that yeah. because like i said before i don't think you know the the lack of success of the next karate kid has nothing to do with hillary swank i think hillary swank's perfectly good hillary swank is a complete equal to Ralph Macchio in terms of acting and all that kind of stuff. And look, to be fair, Hilary Swank has grown up to be a much more successful actor. <laughs> yes, has gone than, on to be than a Ralph Macchio winner. Yes. Um, but so yeah, I think as a ten-year-old girl, that's something you're going to be like, oh yay, you know, girl. Power. Definitely, yeah, hundred percent. So I think that's why this one has just been one I've seen the most and was kind of my introduction to the franchise. So then kind of in going back as an older person and seeing the other films, obviously, you know. An older kind of... <laughs> person? You make it sound like you're 85. Oh, well, you know, I feel like going I'm going back, back but... as an older person. <laughs> as an older person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have been able to definitely see more the flaws of this movie and the the essence that they were trying to capture from this franchise that they weren't a hundred percent successful at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a situation of seeing it 
only one way for so long and then seeing what it was trying to be and <laughs> you know it not really succeeding that well <laughs> but After would you would you say that you still kind of have a great fondness for this movie simply because it was kind of important to you in childhood um i i could say that definitely it, it's not I, like it, one of those ones where you grew up with it and everybody you know older than you younger than you acknowledge that this is a quite a bad movie but you unashamedly love it because it just hit you at the right time is it yeah, not one I, of those i wouldn't call it like a twilight situation for me like you know how much i love the twilight movies yeah. i am inherently aware of why people hate them or why people think they're bad or problematic or whatever um but for me it can i connect with it and it's kind of very special to me because you know i'm not a reader and i actually read this whole series and kind of felt like that yeah. was a big accomplishment for me so that kind of tied itself to seeing it visually come to life so I, I so i would not call this movie a twilight series in the fact that i am aware of why people think it's bad but i still deeply love it <laughs> okay well i'm just thinking it wouldn't be that kind of situation it would be like i grew up with this i remember thinking it was a cool great movie um so i don't hate it as much as other people would or you know, write it off as much as other people would, but definitely see what it was trying to do, and it definitely does not hold up to yeah. the other movies in the series. I'm just thinking that way because I have recently been reminded of how much I unashamedly love the Scooby-Doo movie from 2003 <laughs> to 2002. When's it from? Something. 2002, I think. Which we may um, be talking soon on this which, uh, Well, who knows? Who knows? Um, but, like, I, that's that's a, a fairly dreadful movie, but I love it. And I would watch it all the damn time, whenever yeah. it's on television, often. Because I just, I can't help it. It hit me in the right time. Yeah. And at the right time. It is absolutely one of uh, one of those things. And I just had the realisation before about watching uh, a weird one of the franchise before, you know, the, the first one. Mm -hmm. And it, that it's actually possible that I, and might surprise you knowing how I am these days, it's quite possible that the first Harry Potter thing I ever saw was the movie of Chamber of Secrets. Really? It's quite possible. And that is kind of always deemed like the worst one. <laughs> people don't like it. I mean, yeah, there's no worst. Like, I, there's Potter. no, yeah, none of them are bad, but like people kind of deem this one their least favorite. It's usually the last on most people's lists. There's no worst Harry Potter movie. There's no worst Harry Potter book. There's just a worst creator unfortunately yes when it comes to potter but, but, but i think yes. that's i think that's actually true because i definitely saw the first three probably four movies before i actually read them oh okay um but i'm fairly certain I'm, and i'm purely guessing because of year of release that it would have seemed more reasonable for me to have seen chamber of secrets before philosopher's stone but like it's been with me for my entire life it's like me supporting 
Manchester United. I just can't remember a simple time where I didn't, didn't. do it. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I would not put this movie in that vein for me. I think it just hit me at a time where I was like, oh, cool, a girl doing cool stuff. And I kind yeah. of know a little bit about this franchise, but not very much um, because there was no internet to kind of go and look at oh, the Karate Kid series like that, you know? Um, so... No. Um, just kind of having this be my introduction, but then actually seeing how great the first two movies were um, and seeing what this was trying to do kind of stripped away. <laughs> it, it, it sucked out some of the, uh, the you know, flair that I had for it at 10. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it wasn't a situation where I just held on to my love of it because... Um, you know of the time it hit me I, yeah. I was i was fully able to see the flaws in it <laughs> okay. once i once okay. i was aware of the rest of the fan franchise <laughs> it may it it may it may be making me appreciate part three a little bit more <laughs> part three is not great but no. at least part three feels like a karate kid movie yeah. To while, a point. I mean, I while know we Daniel's did make a weird. point. Yeah. Well, we did make a point of feeling like Daniel changed. I mean, I think by the end of the movie, they made Daniel Daniel again. Yeah. They maybe realized that they kind of stripped away a lot of what made him who he was. Uh, so they kind of circle back to that, at least by the end. So at least you feel like, okay, we're left with the Daniel we've known. Um, so yeah, I feel like this one just felt a little too separate and they were trying to make it like the others the like the first two but it just felt a little forced and it didn't play as um endearing i think no so. i think a big part of it as well to be honest is a change in director yeah because this isn't john g avildsen this is christopher kane i think is the guy's name who directed this? Can't tell you. Can't say that I've Nothing ever heard else of him. It, yeah. Um, but it isn't John G. Avildsen. And, you know, this is what we found last week quite, not confusing, but surprising that we didn't really care too much for part three, but it was still all of the filmmaking team. It was the exact same for the first three movies. You know, you had... Weintraub, Jerry Weintraub producing it, John G. Avildsen directing it, Bill Conti doing the music, but now, as of the next Karate Kid, there ain't no John G. Avildsen anymore. You have still got Bill Conti doing the music, which, fair enough, I mean, look, it's not exactly rocky for music, I don't think, for Karate Kid. Um the best music to come out of the Karate Kid, Janine, you know exactly what that is. It's the over-the-top, as you would call it, <laughs> horrible 80s songs that come towards the end of the, of the first two movies. I, I think we had this conversation. I don't think those songs are terrible. You just think the, St. Elmo's just, Fire is terrible. I don't like the St. Elmo's Fire song, and so that just... You just have now branded me not liking any corny 80s songs. I uh -huh. love corny 80s songs. St. Elmo's is not the best one. All right, it's not the best you're one. Just, that's you're just, you're just really trying to get a rise out of me right now. That's an um, overstatement. It isn't the best one. And I did look up uh, Christopher Kane. The only really notable other thing that he directed was Young Guns. So 
Young are probably offended people now. Yes, people including including our patron Ken Naps. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that actually. That's weird though, because like Young Guns is a fun movie, and this kind of isn't. There's very I mean, little fun. I, I feel. I, I do remember like really liking the emotional moments between Miyagi and uh, Julie when I first watched it, but kind of been watching it back now, it does feel a little kind of weirdly forced. There's more emotional moments between Julie and the Hawk. <laughs> That's a more meaningful relationship in this movie than Julie and Miyagi. <laughs> it legitimately is. So, um, I mean, I don't think we've actually even gotten into the story of this movie. And how, we haven't. Go how... <laughs> um, so Miyagi is at a funeral for his friend from the war who has uh, passed away. Um, and he was close with uh, that friend's wife. And Julie is the granddaughter of that wife. Yeah. So Julie, you know, her parents died in a car accident. So she's been living with her grandma and she's been very kind of rebellious and just angry, just still dealing with the death of her parents that happened about like a year ago at this can point. We, can, we just, um, can we just acknowledge the incredibly dread, I, I was trying to find a word, fairly dreadful way that the movie tells us that she's now an orphan. Oh my gosh, that was so bad. She was like, my mom and my dad died in a car accident exactly a year ago, so stop trying to bring them back. Like, that was so much exposition. Not, not a to sentence your grandmother, any human being would ever say. To your grandmother, who already knows all of this. Because I... her, her child has died. Yes! No. <clears throat> so dialogue all of a sudden yes. out the window that apart, was from really Mi apart from Miyagi's dialogue which obviously is always an absolute treat yes because to be fair he he's, he's he's doing the same stuff he's been doing for three movies Janine he, he's just doing it again but we're all like yay Today we missed <laughs> do you do it again <laughs> do it again Pat Marita yes but I mean, that was the first time I had seen him as M Mr. Miyagi. And for me to gravitate towards him, not having known anything else he'd done and said yeah. in, you know, aside from the wax on wax off thing, um, to kind of endear myself to him in this movie and this being my first, um, you know, experience with Mr. Miyagi. Um, I think that is a testament to that character, you know. Why do you think wax on, wax off, above sanding the floor, painting the fence, and washing the windows has become the Miyagi thing? I don't know, because those were all like notable things that like he showed him and made him do. They all happen at the same time. Exactly, but wax on, wax off was just the one that like it gets quoted, gets talked about, gets you know referenced everywhere. I don't know. I guess it just was simpler to say. You know, and it was kind of a, if Maybe. you know, you know, type, you know, quote. Maybe. So, yeah. That, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. I've always kind of thought that. <clears throat> like, well, I've not 
I, I say I've always kind of thought <clears> that. I always recognised Wax On, Wax Off from The Karate Kid, but after having watched the first movie, it's kind of been playing on my mind, like, what's what's different in Wax On, Wax Off to the others? Because they're all the same. They happen at the same time. It's all training by doing chores. Yeah. Like, they even... Muscle memory. It's more, yeah, it's... I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird one. It is a weird one, but it comes back in this movie. Yes. He, because he gets Hillary Swank waxing the car as well. So Yes, and then he tries to be funny and say, oh, you missed a spot. So, like, he does, <laughs> which, which we all like. We all appreciate yes. a bit of Miyagi comedy yes, every now yes, and yes. again. Um. So then the grandma, I guess, has to leave for like a business trip or some kind of thing. And so she, she tasks Miyagi to stay with Julie um, while she's away. So hopefully, you know, his attitude and his wisdom can maybe calm her down. You know, she's been skipping school and just kind of she's... acting out because of the death of her parents. So Yeah, she's understandably troubled. Yes. So the grandma, I think, enlists Miyagi to maybe help um, because he was such a good friend of the family and all of that. So yeah. um she again is kind of rebelling against Miyagi, so he has to kind of navigate that. Um, and then when he sees her kind of show some interesting athleticism and reflexes, I think that's where he decides that karate and showing her these things can help give her focus and help kind of uh, channel all of this negative energy that she's built up um, and help them bond. So, you know, I think that's kind of a round of about concept for him to now have a new student and have yeah. him, you know do a kind of gender swap thing to change things up um and it, it does to be fair it does change a few things up there's a few kind of scenes of miyagi coming to i mean i say coming to terms as though it's a bad thing what kind of um what's the right phrase i don't know what the right phrase is now my mind's gone completely blank figuring out the differences between training now a a girl like he can't just walk into the bedroom anymore <laughs> yes <laughs> and you um, question why he could just walk into daniel's bedroom in the first like <laughs> daniel might have been having some daniel private time you don't know. <laughs> Miyagi doesn't know this is true um but yeah i think they did kind of acknowledge the differences between training a guy and training a girl. Um, so I think, you know, for a 90s movie and kind of the silliness that those movies maybe had a little bit, I think they uh, tried to play up the comedic aspects of having to, uh, you know, deal with a girl in that situation over a guy. They did. Uh, so, so I thought, I, I remember kind of looking back on those moments as kind of fun scenes of, you know, like him going to get her a prom dress and showing her how to dance yeah. and, you know, things like that. And I, so, I do like those scenes. I do like those scenes because you, you do get, you do get heart from Miyagi. You're always going to get heart from Miyagi. That's not where the lack of heart comes from. It is just in, it's almost in the story. Yeah. I, I guess that it just feels a little bit, maybe it's just the way it's told, the way it's made. It feels way less emotion heavy in any way. Like we know, you know, these movies are emotionally manipulative. Yeah. 
but obviously that's what movies are supposed to do that's not a flaw at all that's a positive that's a big positive and especially like a like, sports movie exactly you know? i feel like this movie isn't that emotionally manipulative yes you get the odd scene but as a whole thing as a whole movie it doesn't ju- it just doesn't seem to have that you do have those Fairly heartfelt moments, like you said, Miyagi, going buying her a prom dress, teaching her to dance because she can't dance, and even the stuff with Hilary Swank and the Hawk, which is like seems like a totally different movie. I'm, yeah. I'm almost more interested in a in a, a nice story about Hilary Swank befriending a bird than I am having it be a karate kid movie yeah like that whole stuff with the hawk and all of that just seemed like what what are you trying to do like why do we need this um this is supposed to be the next karate kid and yet the hawk stuff felt like more of a focus than her actually learning karate at times um so i don't know if it was you know that was the only way they could work in her meeting the guy and having problems with the antagonists and that was kind of their end to make all those other things happen um but if you're calling the next karate kid i think that needs to be more focus and if you're kind of trying to really stick by this formula um then you need to focus on the bullies and her trying to have to overcome that on top of kind of fighting through uh issues with getting over you know not getting over but you know dealing with her parents death and not lashing out at people so i think that would have been a more interesting focus that you know yeah she's rebellious yes she has all these reasons to feel um like push people away and you know be very angry and all of these things and then maybe you know karate being a focus for her to um have to work through through those things while she's making a closer bond with Miyagi and then ultimately giving her a reason to have to use those skills, you know, for the karate kid action with having the bullies and actually having some interesting bullies, not these weird coked out hall monitors, like (laughs) these steroid fueled uh, hall monitors in this, like, I don't know what this program is at the school where you join this like core and it'll give you like, you know, credits. You can put those credits towards college and, you know, use this on a college application that you were part of this really kind of effed up (laughs) uh, steroid fueled uh, hall monitor team. (laughs) I truly do not know if this is a legitimate thing, but are there classes that you take that can give you extra points for college or whatever that literally are just classes where your teacher beats you up. Right? Because, like, there's, like, an ROTC thing, which is kind of like a low-key kind of, like, military thing where you kind of learn early skills if you're going to, like, you know, where you can put that stuff on. You know, it's feels it's kind of military kind of based. Yeah. Um where you can maybe use on a college application or something. So I feel like this was maybe a form of that, but this very extreme where Michael Ironside is just able to like beat up these kids and show them that it's okay to beat up each other and other people and, and give them all this power. And it's just, I don't. And do you know, do you know what Janine? Even 
even John Creese didn't advocate for actually going about the town and punching people. Yeah, going up and down the halls of the school and like that's what I'm but calling Michael them like Ironside crazy. Knows. Yeah, that's what I'm calling like crazy hall monitors where they're just like the law of the school where they can like have this authority to go around and you know beat people up in the halls who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or whatever. Like it's crazy and like even when Julie sneaks to the school at night to check on the hawk and the police come and all of them come and attack her and are chasing her around the school to what? Beat up a girl? Like, what? It's very concerning. <laughs> to attack a young girl? And then when the police show up, who's with them? Michael Ironside. So he has some kind of police authority as well. Like, what? what are these bullies? What are these villains? Like, that was the, just the weirdest the villains... part of the movie. The villains are legitimately the most inherently. I'd even go as more than Terry Silver and what's his face from part three. What's the guy, the karate guy from part three? Mike, Mike Barnes. Oh, yes. I'd even, I'd even say that these guys are kind of more inherently evil than them because at least Terry Silver and Mike Barnes they still weren't just, well, I suppose Mike Barnes was a little bit, but I don't necessarily think, Ter I think Terry said, I think it was all more about psychological trauma. Yeah, well, that was As, Terry Silver's whole plan. He's yeah. like, I'm going to build him up just to beat him down. I'm going to make him hate and, Miyagi. Yeah. So Terry Silver's kind of psychological torture that then comes to physical pain but while it's actually a karate event, yes, uh, that's and also, the only time he advocates for physical pain. John Kreese literally kind of just wants to be the best at karate by any means necessary. He doesn't go around, yes, okay, you know, Johnny Lawrence and the rest of Cobra Kai are kind of bullies, but it's not Kreese telling them go and push Daniel down a hill. They, yeah. But, in this in this movie, Michael Ironside is literally going beat people up, beat everybody up you can at all points of life. Yeah, he's it's, a, little it's a next level. <laughs> it's just, it's, and he's not even interesting. Or you know, at least you know, while Terry Silver was a cartoon, at least there were he had like a pretty in depth plan to like you know. There's no plan with these guys. Yeah, like he had a plan to play a part, to be an ally to Daniel, to ruin his relationship with Miyagi, which he knows is his most important relationship, and to physically break down his body um, without making him aware of it. So he had a whole like psychological plan. So while he is a ridiculous villain, he actually had a pretty like in-depth, like serious messed up plan yeah um so that was at least interesting like oh damn okay he's really putting all this work into this um but these villains were just not interesting at all they were just crazy and mean for the sake of that and nothing the more sake of wanting to be yes there was it's... nothing there was no depth to them at all they were just okay we need bullies we need villains just be crazy and yeah. that's all you need to do we don't need like, to we don't need any depth we don't need any backstory we don't need what is driving this that you're just constantly harassing this young girl like why 
even the guy in part two, who I forget the name of, he's like, he is actually, he, he's, he's probably closer to these guys in the next Karate Kid than the Cobra Kai's in part one and part three. Yeah. But I even think he has still got inherent kind of karate air quotes honor where he like he only really fights in a staged sense even though it's not an official event yeah he's not just walking down the street and then comes up to somebody and punches them in the face and leaves them there like these guys seem to do and michael ironside actually seems to want them to do and like egging on these guys to uh you know julie's boyfriend like break his car and set it on fire and him and michael ironside straight up saying oh no one will believe you you know he was he was driving very recklessly it's car it was a car accident no one's gonna believe (laughs) that we burnt this guy's car like what (laughs) i don't get it I don't, I do not get I these mean, villains. I mean, even in this movie all. alone, the crazy redneck gas station people that Miyagi fights had more villainous motive than they these, did. Than these they people. did. They did. And to be fair, look, we also get Miyagi beating up a few of these extra special hall monitors, don't we? Yes. Which is also nice. And we yes. also, at the end, unfortunately, it's not kind of a proper karate you know, karate on karate, like it has always been. Yeah. You know, a, a f- full karate fight. So I was kind of disappointed in a way that it wasn't that, and it was just kind of using karate to fight bullies, which is fair enough. You know, Miyagi leaves us with a kind of, um, it's never good to fight, but if you must fight, win, which I like. Yeah, I like, I like well, that from the. Well, in the and even in the talks we've had about you know you and you're like okay you know if you're gonna do this then if you're you gonna do it win be, yeah win be the best so when he did say that I was kind of like I I feel like Morgan's really gonna yeah. love this I'm line. into that I'm into that I'm into that. um but it it's also just felt strange but it also felt a little off character for me as well when you know Miyagi was like no we're not gonna fight because she wanted to fight the lead like bully guy because he was you know harassing her whatever and this is after they burned her boyfriend's car and all of this thing um Miyagi saying no and then she's like I have to do this so I can respect myself or whatever she said and then Miyagi was like okay like that did not feel really like he would have you know submit to her wanting to fight so easily it just that did not feel organically Miyagi to me. Well, I don't know, because even in even as far back as the first movie, Miyagi wasn't wasn't interested in Daniel fighting until something happened okay. to yeah. Daniel. And then it was like, okay, I understand well, Daniel. I'm, I'm gonna want, show you I'm yeah. gonna show you how to win this now. But even I feel like he always tries to avoid the fight when he, he does, can. which is, is good. Is good. I completely stand by that mentality. But I feel like it was just Julie making the reason be like she needs to respect herself or something. She won't be able to unless she has this fight. Like her reasoning and then him agreeing to that reasoning didn't feel right to me. 
I felt like it needed to be because, okay, we need to just nip this in the butt. We need to make it known that these guys can't be doing things like this. And that's why we're fighting oh, or something. I, but I the see. fact that she is like, well, I can't respect myself until I do this. Yes. Like her, her reasoning for wanting to fight him and him agreeing to that reason didn't feel very Miyagi to me. Like Miyagi is always about, okay, this bully's not going to stop. This bully's not going to stop. They're not going to quit. They're going to constantly be doing these terrible things and causing chaos. So we need to make sure they know that that is not okay. Um, so that is kind of always the reasoning, but this one for her to say that she, she needs to needs this. You're saying that instead, you're saying that Miyagi appears to not be agreeing to get rid of the bullies, but he's agreeing to, I need to fight in order to have respect for myself. Yes, I need to fight in order to find some kind of worth in myself. Yeah. Which Miyagi is always against. He's like, is even when she, you know, did the move where she kicks from the big rock to the little rock, and she was, like, asking how come I don't get some kind of belt or something, he's like, you know, you don't need that. You know you're, you're good at this. You know you can do it. So that should be a reward enough. So if that's kind of the mentality he has, only to have him agree... Yes, go ahead and fight if you need this respect. Like, that just felt a little weird to me. Maybe he isn't agreeing to that, though. Maybe that's just him realizing. Maybe, Or maybe just now he's just realized, yeah, okay, we need to fight the bullies. But Julie is having... Maybe they have different mentalities about this fight. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So I, I, I'm more able to believe that i think and to to trust that and to go with that the fact that miyagi's there to punch down the bullies and julie's there to make herself feel good i don't think miyagi's there to make julie feel good okay even though he is he is obviously because he wants julie to gain respect for herself but i i so i i agree with what you're saying I agree with what you're saying, but I don't actually think that's what's happened. Okay. I just, like, he was willing to say no and walk away until she said that line about, well, I can't respect myself until I do this or whatever. And then he says, okay, go fight. So that was kind of just like, that didn't sit kind of right with me and kind of. Maybe because he's realized. I know, I know I'm trying it. I'm not, I'm not trying. You're trying to defend Miyagi. I'm I'm, and I'm not saying that it's something wrong with the character. I'm saying it's something wrong with how they tried to write him in this moment. Possibly. In this possibly. But even, even is that not just him realizing that there ain't no other way Julie is going to want to get rid of the bullies. Uh, not that does. I don't think that makes sense. What I've just said. <laughs> so I don't think. I don't no. think that makes sense. Um, no, I don't because I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I get what you're trying to say. Like he feels like this is the only way we're going to get rid of these people where Julie is going to feel confident enough getting rid of these people. So Correct. maybe he just needs to go with her mindset on this one, but yeah, him just kind of willing to walk away from a fight 
which is kind of normal Miyagi. And then Julie kind of coming with that specific reasoning just and him agreeing to that reasoning just didn't really feel like him to me janine i think we have just put more thought into that (laughs) exchange than the writers did yes can i just say that i I legitimately think i i agree doesn't matter to the movie to be honest with you but it matters to us and that's the point because you know in kind of seeing the movies in succession like this and then to kind of see something that's so inherently put on this character in every movie where you know while daniel has changed like miyagi has not really changed even in this movie they keep the core of miyagi kind of the same like i said this being the first time i've ever seen him and still feeling like i really like this character i really like you know i feel you know his wisdom and all of these wonderful things from him um having not seen any other version of him in any other movie at that point um so just that you know kind of seeing the movies back to back to back and then kind of you put more stock in like the things he says and things like that and the things he agrees to so that moment just like i'd never thought of it until now this recent watch and i'm like you know that doesn't feel like the Miyagi that I've known now watching these movies all in a row so yeah (laughs) yeah can we just also acknowledge the fact that Walton Goggins is one of the extra steroided (laughs) hall monitors he is and he looks really young but he still has the exact same hairline that he has now yes and he was credited as Walt Goggins I guess he felt like Walton or somebody maybe told him Walton was too weird (laughs) Or maybe somebody later in his career told him Walton was the way to go. Like, stop trying to be Walt Disney, Walton Goggins. What are you doing? Yeah. Walton Goggins is such a memorable name. Yes, you're never going to forget that. <laughs> but and yes, I like was... Walton Goggins. It was fun to see. It's fun to see far bigger actors now. And I know he's still, I suppose, uh, known as a character actor, isn't he? Yeah. But... It's always fun to see people who have become pretty big in, in early roles. Yeah. But even with, and even the turn, like, I think they try to do a Johnny Lawrence situation where, you know, you see moments throughout the movie where Johnny is hesitant to do the things that Crease asks him to do. Yeah. Where he feels hesitant to do the kind of bad things that he's doing. Like, you see him have that moment of I don't know if I want to do this, but I have to impress Crease or I have to impress the crew or whatever. Yeah. I have to impress the Cobra Kai. So I'm gonna do this bad thing. But you always see Johnny with that kind of hesitation to do these things. Um and with these bullies, like they're all into doing all these crazy things and these bad things, and then all of a sudden it's a quick turnaround. Oh no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to listen to you anymore. Michael Ironside. Like it's also all of a sudden when, when one person has beaten one of them up, they're all like, Oh God, we're actually not invincible. Run, run away. Yes. So then Mike, you know, when the kind of main bully gets beat up, he, you know, Michael Ironside tries to get the other bullies to then fight Julie and none of them want to, they're all scared. So like, that turn of them being invincible and listening to whatever this dude says, including let's bungee jump through the prom and like ruin everybody's senior prom. Right. What was that? Um, Somebody gets hurt during this whole thing as well. 
And then all of it is who, 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 why, and what? Yes. Like, what was that? (laughs) So I I, I just don't get it. Like the turn of them to like be like Michael Ironside, we're not going to listen to you anymore. you know, we're good guys now. We can't do this. We've gone too far. Like, it was just too sudden. It was too sudden. The, the funny thing is, is the, um, they actually call him Michael Ironside as well. They don't. <laughs> yeah. That would be quite funny, though. Um, <laughs> and look, I like Michael Ironside. I, 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 he's nothing in this movie. Yeah, he is literally completely... just a shouting. He is like the knockoff spoof of John Voight in Varsity Blues that showed up in Not Another Teen Movie, who just shouts, God damn it, God yeah. damn it, God damn it. He <laughs> yeah. literally is that man. Yes, not I John mean... Voight, not the actual character, the, the actual human being. But the, the spoof guy, version. the spoof version from Not Another Teen Movie, who's just yelling things because he's supposed to be angry coach. Yes, I mean, if zero dimensional was a thing, he would be zero he w- dimensional. He, he wouldn't even be one dimensional. This is what I mean. This is giving me a little bit more respect for part three in Terry Silver. Yes, because at least he had some layers, albeit very cartoonish, ridiculous layers, um, but he had them and it made for a fun kind of like, oh my gosh, this guy's a crazy kind of watch, you know? But yeah, these villains, and I think this series also is, uh, has an important tie to the villains. I think those, those. those are what make the movies, you know, what they are. And the so putting legacy that thought, sequel of a TV show is based around the villains. Yes. So... That should show you how important those characters should be to the plot. Whether we get even more insight on them or not, at least you kind of flesh them out a little bit. You give them layers. Like like I said, with Johnny, you see kind of him hesitant to do these things, but wanting to impress Kreese. Kreese really having nothing else, so he puts all his focus into, yeah, you know, being very harsh and, you know, having this, you know, living by this mentality because of maybe things he's been through in the war and things like that. Yeah. Um. So that we do get layers from these villains. They are just as much an important part to the story as Daniel and Miyagi, the good guys. So Even the guys not... in the second, the guys in the second movie. Yes, that was a whole village situation and history that Miyagi had with this guy and him having this turn of realizing, you know, his rivalry with Miyagi was, you know, not Fruitless. important. Yeah, exactly. And all of that. So we definitely got some complex interesting villains with some layers and some entertaining aspects and there was thought and writing put into making them a little bit more complex and making them just as strong a part of the story as Daniel and Miyagi so you had that great kind of counterbalance it wasn't one side was higher than the other there was a good balance so that when they come face to face you're really kind of like wanting to see what's going to happen here there's no focus on the villains at all so that already kind of makes it not feel like a karate kid movie and you're focusing on this hawk situation more than the villains because the villains are what keep this these types of movies balanced and so yeah i think that was the biggest kind of disappointment i noticed going back to this movie after having not seen it for a while and having seen recently seen the rest of the series yeah i I agree. And like I say, I actually think I, I, I'm actually more than interested 
in a movie, a heartwarming tale about a troubled teenage girl who befriends a hawk. Which now, now. Which, which reminds me of a fantastic old British movie from the 60s called Kess. Oh, okay. Well, at least excellent I, movie. I'm glad something positive came out of that. But also, I'm now thinking. What? <laughs> so, we have not discussed it yet. But we will be doing a live discussion of the first season of Cobra Kai. Yes. And we are introduced oh, to a no. character. I know the character. <laughs> named Hawk. Is do, you think, do, you, do we think now, do we think now, it just came to me right now, do we think that Hawk is a reference to the Surely Hawk in this not. movie? <laughs> I hope not. Because the simple fact is, is that the dude just has a mohawk now. But he also has a hawk tattoo on his back. He does. He does. And every Maybe. time, anytime he says something or does something, you hear maybe we've just put it together. Now having, but like if you watch the rest of the season, there are little nods to so many different things. And like there were even things in the movies I told you, hey, remember this moment because it's probably going to come back in the show. So More. what if this was a subtle, a super, well, not subtle, but you know. <laughs> it is subtle because nobody I remembers didn't... the next Karate Kid. Okay, so definitely, I don't know. I think I, I'm going to have to put this out there and see what people think. Please do. I think we should put that out yeah. there. There's, yes. there's the big question of the day, everyone. <laughs> Is Hawk from is Cobra the Kai hawk character from Cobra Kai a subtle nod to the hawk that Julie was obsessed with? In karate, the next Karate Kid. More discussion on Hawk to come in the Cobra Kai discussions on It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. Yes! Wow, that Another literally just came there. to me. <laughs> Brilliant! Jeanine. Wow! Brilliant! Phenomenal. So I think I think that's a good way to close out this. Uh, finale episode of our karate kid i think it is hasn't seen <laughs> i think it is there we go like i said keep an eye out on the uh the youtube channel and uh, like and subscribe over there of course and um, because the the cobra kai discussions are coming and i i've already watched season one we just haven't had the thing yet yes so if you um, want to hear his thoughts please check out our live discussion coming up so yeah keep an eye out over there but yeah look the next Karate Kid, it's by far the weakest one. Yeah. In fact, the Karate Kid movies are pretty easy to rank if you want to rank them because it goes one to four, one to four. So, <laughs> yeah, what pretty, do you want from it's me? It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. <laughs> what else do you want? It's pretty easy to do. Um, but yeah, look, I've enjoyed this. Oh, and I am continuing to enjoy it. More. <laughs> The monks, we didn't. How did we not talk about the monks? They are a legitimately phenomenal part of this movie. And to be honest with you, they were very entertaining. I liked the monks. Yes, I did like the monks. I liked her little friendship with the monks. It was very sweet. And I like Hilary the... Swank. I like Miyagi, Pat Marita, obviously. And I do like the monks. Did you like the monks bowling? No, I don't like ridiculous? bowling. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate bowling, but there was a character who takes bowling very seriously and I, I don't trust people who take bowling very seriously. 
That is true. But he loosens up by the end of the scene. Just because the monks beat him up. Well, they don't beat him up. They just beat him at bowling. Yes. They're just better at bowling than him. Zen bowling. So we Zen do bowling. A Zen bowling scene. But yes, I, I liked her friendship with the monks. And I think that was the one thing that I think was helpful for Julie to deal with all of her, you know, anger and things to go to a place like that with oh, definitely. peace and, you know, tranquility is kind of the name of the game. So I think that was a, a interesting and, and smart choice. It actually felt like it fit with this story that they were telling. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I did like the monks. Well, oh, yes. well reminded. <laughs> yes. Just, I, well, I wanted to throw the monks in there before we, we dipped out. <laughs> yes, well reminded. Well, um, because this is the last of the series proper, shall we call it, on Morgan Hasn't Seen the Karate Kid. Next week's going to see a next a new series, Janine. Yes, we are. What's that then? Because it's April and it's my birthday. I hope you have something fun planned and not a horrible, horrible movie that I've over <laughs> time said again and again that I'm not going to ever watch because of a particular reason. I hope you've not done that to me, Janine. Okay, well, I've done that, but at the beginning of the month, and your birthday's at the end, so I think it's fine. <laughs> I'm so sad. So, because birthdays deal with time, they do, and April is Morgan's birthday month. Uh, I thought let's do some time loop movies. So, not really so much time travel movies, but time looping movies. Morgan's um, going to get confused because yeah. time loops really confuse him yes so it's going to be some wibbly wobbly timey wimey but films. not fun doctor who stuff no no um but fun nonetheless so hopefully for this series of time movies we are going to be talking edge of tomorrow the movie morgan was referring to that he didn't want to watch for whatever so, reason yes we know the reason we'll talk about it next week yes so we will be but it's gonna happen we're gonna be talking <laughs> edge of tomorrow uh source code about time and to close out the series which will be right around morgan's birthday we will be talking happy death day and happy death day to you Double now, feet. I'm very excited for the final three movies. Because I've heard nothing but wonderful things about About Time as a, as a romancy, romancy movie. Um, and, and Donald Gleason obviously, is just delightful. Yes. And Happy Death Day, I, it's one of those things that I can't believe I haven't seen. Because yeah. I wouldn't even call it a case of you know, how I often am like, where everybody was talking about it, so I'm not going to watch it because I want to watch it when people aren't talking about it anymore because I don't like being told what to do. It's not a case of that. I don't think it's a case of that with Happy Happy Death Day. I just simply think I missed that one. So yeah. then never watch the sequel either well, because I hadn't. Be. But now we're doing it. And it's a birthday movie as well. So it'll be it a is. great way to celebrate and you. <laughs> and a horror movie. Yes. Or comedy, time, time looping goodness. It's like Shakespeare who was who was born on my birthday and also died on our birthday. Oh my gosh, that is so weird. <laughs> he did. He did. He died on his birthday. Oh my gosh. 
died on our birthday, Janine. I share a birthday with Shakespeare. Nobody else does. Nobody in the world. <laughs> Nobody in the world, just you. Okay. Don't enough. say the other people who were born on that day as well, because they don't exist. Just me and Shakespeare. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So That's yes, timey-wimey movies for the next series on Morgan Hasn't Seen. He's going to be watching a movie he never wanted to watch, so that'll be interesting <laughs> as the first movie in the series. Getting it out of the way since he wants to be complaining about it. Yeah. So that'll be fun to see if Morgan will change his mind, which tends to happen quite a bit on this show because I, ha- I have made him watch a few things he wasn't looking forward to that he actually ended up enjoying. Or finding things to like. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. happening. It is happening. It is happening. So there we go. That is the uh, next series, Time Loop Movies, coming up throughout April here on Morgan Hasn't Seen. But, Janine, Morgan Hasn't Seen isn't the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, is it? It is not. We, of course, have Machine Mondays every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things Schmodown, and there is a lot to talk about, so come hang out with me every so Monday. Much. And, of course, Friday we have the main show, It's a Wonderful Podcast, where we give love to those classic films. Uh, I switch off hosting duties every other week with Nolan Dean, and Morgan is the constant host over there, so check out us out every monday with machine mondays every wednesday with morgan hasn't seen and every friday it's a wonderful podcast yes there we go monday wednesday friday we have you covered on the it's a wonderful podcast feed find the feed on anchor apple podcast spotify stitcher google podcast Castbox, and everywhere else you find your podcast i've already plugged the patreon that was ages ago it's a wonderful podcast on patreon patreon.com it's a wonderful one find the tier that's right for you and the YouTube channel. It's a wonderful podcast on YouTube. Go sub over there as well. You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Don with a three instead of the E in the Because Journey. There is the magic number. Or on Instagram at Just The Purple Don. Janine, all your gloriously karate goodness is <laughs> where. You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find all of that at my Tee Public shop at G9Design on tpublic.com. Well, there we go. I think it's only fair, Janine, to do it for the final time, not in a potentially offensive impression <laughs> of Pat Morita. But in an impression of Michael Ironside. <laughs> okay, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to have no uh, Mickey Rooney situation up in here. <laughs> um, three. <laughs> I can't do this. Like can't do it with Michael no. Ironside. Two. It's <laughs> not bad. One. Bye. Wax on, wax off.